0: Today's breakfast and class is uh, donated by the Marcus family as a refua for Nathan ben Rachel. We've had a few different requests recently to ask how to be in touch to sponsor the classes and uh, if you'd like you can send the, by the WhatsApp to myself, to Rabbi Farhi, or um, to, you can send it to the email uh, uh, at the synagogue, Rabbi Farhi at ejsny.org. Okay. The Pasuk says, <clears throat> when, the, when the brothers come to Yo- Yaakov Avinu, they bring him the coat of his son. Hakerna haketonet bincha hi imlo. Is this the ketonet, is this the cloak of your son or not? They had dipped it in the blood of a goat, which our Chachamim tells us is the closest in color, perhaps, to that of a, a human being. So it looked like he'd been torn apart by Yomer. Ketonet <speaking in Hebrew> beni. this is the, clo- the cloak of my son, a halatu, a wild animal must have uh, devoured him, Toraf Yosef. Yosef has been torn apart. So Yaakov, in response to this terrible news, he tears his clothing as Abel Yasim he puts on sackcloth Yamim Rabim, and he mourns his son for many days. The pasuk says. At that stage, he's been already in mourning for so long. All the sons, all of his daughters, the whole family gets up, try to comfort him. And he refused to be comforted. And and uh, and this point is a very interesting point of reference to me. I'm going to quote you what Rashi says. What does it mean? And Yaakov refused to be comforted. Here's a situation that at least as far as Yaakov understands, Yosef is gone. If Yosef is gone, so what are you supposed to do? You deal with it. You know, again, not to say that, uh, you know, we're not denying the pain of the father here. But the point is, this, sounds as if we're saying something more than just, uh, and he was uh, bothered. Rashid comes along and he explains to us something which is fascinating. <speaking> in Adam, mekabel tanhumin al a person who uh, is who the person that they are supposedly mourning for is actually not dead. He's unable to accept any words of comfort. al <speaking in> hamet, <Hebrew> because on someone that's passed already, <speaking> in, <Hebrew> in heaven, they give us a kindness that they allow us to forget those that have passed on to the next world. Because how else are we supposed to move on with our lives? So therefore, there's a kindness from Shamayim, that the there's a decree that that we can slowly but surely in some ways forget about them or forget the pain of losing them in our heart to be able to move on. But since Yosef was not dead, Yosef was just not here, so Yaakov, he refused to be comforted. Now I want to point out something over here. Yaakov did not know this. So when we're talking about over here that he refused to be comforted, it's not because he thought maybe he was alive. It's because on a spiritual level, on a uh, deep um, uh, emotional level, there's a truth that a person can know that their eyes cannot see. We've discussed this idea already a few times. The Gemara refers to this concept, Ihulo yada, he did not know, mazale yada. His mazal, his malach, his uh, spiritual self knew something that he did not know. So Yaakov Avinu, it was impossible for him to move on and to be comforted because there was nothing to be comforted from. The pain was not something that he would just need to get used to, but actually it was the pain of a physical, real and present separation. Yaakov therefore could not get over it. To me, this actually says a very powerful lesson. Of the nature of human beings and how we have to sometimes learn to trust our gut and our natural reactions. Sometimes a person, there's something that went wrong in his business, in his life, uh, in his relationship, in uh, in his dreams, in his goals, in his life, and you know what? You're able to say, look I tried my best, I did everything I can, but sometimes a person, they can't let go. Years go by and they're still in the same pain as they were as the moment when they, when they failed. Over whatever a decision that they made, over whatever it might be, in such a scenario a person should ask themselves, maybe the reason why I can't move on is because the thing that I'm mourning is not dead. The chances that I thought I was taking and I gave it my all with regards to shidduch, with regards to having children, with regards to who knows what. Sometimes we throw in the towel, but we threw in the towel too early. So God's way sometimes of speaking to us and telling us to not get out of the ring is to send us that little heartache, making us miss, making us wonder, making us think, maybe I'm still supposed to be in the arena, maybe I'm still supposed to be chasing this thing. The challenge of a person is to be able to know when he's dealing with something which is telling him that there's something that's real, that he should continue to pursue. And when sometimes <clears throat> a person is chasing a pipe dream, how does that work? How does one, how does one uh, achieve that? How does one know when, when it's the first case and when it's the second? I think there's a clue to this in the pasuk itself. The pasuk then goes on and says, And Yaakov says, Ki ered el bini avel she'oda." I will go, he tells the family, I will go to my grave still mourning for my child. Vayev k'oto aviv. And his father cried for him excessively. I think that there's two different things here. When a person's just wondering about what if, so then the answer is, get over it. But when you can say about yourself, with absolute certainty. The way Yaakov speaks to his children, he says, I'm never giving up on this. This is going to accompany me to my grave. At that stage, a person, if they know in themselves that they not only can't get over it, but that they never will get over it, then maybe there's a reason why HaKadosh Baruch Hu is ensuring that you are still attached to this thing. And in such a case, a person should go and ask the wise people in his life, oh, go and ask his friends, Go and speak to his his family, to his rabbinim, to his rabbis, to his advisors and say this is bothering me so much. We found an example of this idea in the halakha that we spoke about in the halakha a little while ago. There's a halakha which revolves around the person who has a dream. It's called taanit halom. When does a person have an obligation or a deen? When is the law to be to fast for a, a bad dream that a person has? The halakha says something very interesting. If you have a dream, and his nefesh is agum, it's depressed, it's bothered, it's distressed over this dream. Then a person does a ta'anit halom. What I found about that is amazing. That means that the ta'anit is not actually about the halom. Because you could have the same dream and not be worried about it. You walk in, had the funniest dream last night. I was uh, walking down the street in my dream and all of a sudden I sprouted wings, I started flying, and as I flew, I flew into the into the engine of a 747 and then the plane went down and killed 300 people. It was the funniest dream. So weird. Not bothered. eats his drinks his, uh, Coffee eats his bagel. Does he have a ta'anit chalom? Terrible dream he had. Terrible dream. If he's not bothered, <clears throat> no tanit chalom. But the minute a person is nafsho aguma alav, he feels it's bothering him. Then he understands that this feeling that he can't get rid of, even though he wants to get rid of it. He's trying, Yaakov is doing the process. He's sitting sackcloth and ashes. He's crying for his son. He's doing everything. He's not in denial. He's not living, he's not trying to push it away. He's trying to go through the process of grief and it's not working. When a person does everything they can to get over something and it's not working, nafsho aguma alav, then maybe there's something here that he needs to look at. And by the way, I just want to point this out. It's not always true that nafsho aguma alav means that this is the thing that I'm supposed to get. But maybe as an example, in thinking it over, I could start to ask myself, what is it that I was missing over there? I remember a little while ago, I had a young man who came to me and he said, Rabbi, I was dating this girl. Um, she was very religious, much more religious than me. And in the end, we broke up because she was more religious than me. I couldn't, I couldn't do what she wanted me to do. I couldn't be the person she wanted me to be. And this, that, and the other. And he says, you know what? And since that day, I've not been able to date anyone. I've not been able to get her out of my head. I've not been able, I've not been able, I've not been able. He says, do you think I should go back and date her again? I said, I don't know. I'm not the love coach or anything like this. I said, but let's talk about it. You know, what was it? Why, why do you think you can't get her out of your head? And he says to me, he goes, you know, When I was with this girl and we were dating, the whole time, even if I was not feeling like up to doing a mitzvah, up to doing doing the right thing, I felt like I would go because she brought out the best in me and she demanded from me what she knew that I could do. She pushed me in a way that I wasn't pushing myself. So I loved that in my marriage or in my relationship, I was going to have someone that when I was weak, they would be strong for me. So I said to him, so, maybe this feeling that you're feeling is not telling you you should go out with her again, but it's telling you that the caliber or the type of girl that you're going out with now is the wrong girl. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that it's her that you're chasing, but it was, the, it was the element of her that was pushing and asking more of you than you were asking of yourself that you wanted. Maybe the girl that you date, the girls that you're dating now, are not on that level where they're pushing you to be your best self religiously or spiritually. Baruch Hashem, I have to say, uh, people always ask me after the show, what happened, what happened, what happened? Right, like they need the closure. The guy wound up going out with someone that was, I would say, maybe even more religious than the first girl he went out with. But you know what the one thing is, and this is the interesting thing, people can date people that are much more religious than them. So long as that person is understanding and nurturing and not judgmental. And that's exactly what happened And today. He's living a wonderful life. They have a beautiful family. The guy sets aside time to learn Torah each day. His wife is still more religious than him, but they have a, one of the most beautiful marriages that I've ever seen. Hashem should bless us always to be in tune with our inner self and our higher wisdom. Baruch Amen, amen